message today and believe that God's going to do something in it. Amen? Amen. Right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Fathers, we've been brought to this place, Lord. We believe that you want to do something in us. And so, God, would you just do it? God, remove those things in our hearts that uh, need to be removed. Change those things that need to be changed. We need you, Holy Spirit. We ask for your presence here today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I love donuts. <laughs> I always have. I don't, uh, I don't eat nearly as many as I used to. For those of you that have me knowing long, I used to be a much bigger man than I am now, but I've changed my eating plan. And so I literally, like, I don't know what your thing is, but for me, there's never a day that I couldn't be like, ah, I can eat four donuts. Like, that's, that's just kind of where I'm at. Um, I had a really bad donut day last Sunday. Um, every once in a while, we, uh, I just, like, get this, like, carbs, like carbs, and um, so we're literally in church and during worship. And I said to Chris, I said, we're getting donuts today. <laughs> and um, we went to this place in Puyallup and it was, gosh, it was a letdown. Like even a week later, I'm still just like, I'm not emotionally over it, you know, <laughs> it's just horrible. Um, I'm, I'm thinking it's in my heart. We might redeem it today. I, I, I was talking about it. You know, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what really gets you excited um, and things that you remember. You know, I can remember donuts I've had loved all over this nation. <laughs> I can remember one time me and Pastor Christian were on a, uh, a road trip through Texas, and we, I got this amazing fritter in the middle of nowhere, Texas. I couldn't tell you the city, I couldn't tell you the place, but I've never had a fritter greater than that. I could, I could take you on a donut run all through the Northwest. Like I know where Powell's Donuts out in Tacoma, pow, it's so good. Um, and I remember the first time I had a Krispy Kreme. Do you guys remember the first time you had a Krispy Kreme donut? Yeah, dude, it's indelible. That hot light came on and you were like, what is this? I remember my, my grandpa, uh, I remember I, my first donut, Krispy Kreme I had was in Austin, Texas, and I was donut saved that day. It was amazing. And I remember my grandfather, I called him in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and I was like, Grandpa, you've got to try this donut. My grandpa's a classically trained uh, French pastry chef. And he was like, Matt, I've never had a donut that's good. And I was like, Grandpa, you are going to love these. And so uh, as the Lord saw fit, he opened up a Krispy Kreme in Spokane. And so I called him and was like, Grandpa, I am coming over. We're driving to Krispy Kreme. Chris went with us. And he was really blasé. He was like, Matt, it's a waste of my time, blah, blah, blah. And you remember the old days when Krispy Kreme was on fire and the hot light came on? Now they play with us. The, the hot light was on all the time. And then you would line up and they would come out and they'd be handing out a hot donut while you're waiting to buy donuts. So I took my grandpa to Krispy Kreme and he was like, what is this? And seven in, he finally admitted that they were a good donut. (laughs) The donut was something that I loved and I knew that I needed to have other people love these donuts in the same way that I love them. And so I shared it with them. I mean, have you ever seen something cool that you wanted to share with someone? Did anybody see that sunrise this morning? Not, not the 11 o'clock service. You guys are like, bro, I've been in bed since like 10. <laughs> Nine o'clock was like, yeah, we saw it. There was a sunrise this morning. Many of you did not see it, but it was amazing. And you just wanted to, but you've probably seen a, but the 11 o'clockers see the sunsets, right? So you've seen the sunsets. You want to share the, a rainbow, a funny video, a great, re, a great restaurant. Like it's in our DNA. That's what we do is we share things with people. That's what 
what we do. You need to have the same commitment when it comes to sharing Jesus. Yes. See how I set it up and then see how you did that? It wasn't about donuts. It's about Jesus. It's not about sunrises or sunsets. It's about Jesus. The Bible says in Psalm 66, 5, come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing towards the sons of men. On October 31st, and you've heard the announcement, but we are going to talk about only that today because I think it's of of vital importance. On October 31st, we're going to have Invite Sunday. And my commitment, or excuse me, the commitment that I want you to have, I'm committed, I want you to be committed, at the end of this service, I want you to commit and say, I will invite one person. I'm not not asking us to commit and say, I'm going to get one person to come to church. That's not going to be whether or not we win or lose on that day. Bless God. I hope some people will show up. But what I want us all to commit to is say, I will invite by God's strength, one person, one person to come to church on October 31st. And I want you to walk away from this message with that, with, and it'll be great. Here, here's from what research says. There's one specific reason that visitors come to church, and you know what it is? The friendship factor. People invite their friends. They asked more than 50,000 people over the last 10 years why they came to church, and between 75 and 90% of respondents say, I began attending because someone invited me. How many of you are here today because someone invited you to come to this church? Look around, look around. You see those hands? Yeah. Well, not this church. You started this church, honey. You can put your hands down. (laughs) Now, I won't won't ask you to raise your hand on this because it might be embarrassing. The statistics say that only 2% of Christians invite an unchurched person to church. Only 2%. Uh, One study found that 37% of Christians link their conversion to being invited to church. And uh, just by a show of hands, how many of you are actually saved in a church service? Like you were at a church service. Look around, look behind you. People People get saved in a church service. It's big and it's important. As we do this, I want to encourage you to not invite someone from another church. That's not what we do here, okay? We invite people that don't have a church, people that are de-churched, people that aren't saved. That's what we do here. Now, uh, as someone reminded me, there's many people that their churches have shut down during this season and they don't have a home. It's okay to invite those people. Um, But what we don't want to do is we don't want to be people that steal a flock. That's not what we do. Why is evangelism important? We want to give God as much glory as possible because he is worth it. And and you've got to get your mind wrapped around this idea that your life is not about you. Your life is about bringing God glory. And that's not even just inviting people to church. Everything you do in your life is supposed to bring God, God glory. And so if we're bringing God glory and we're making him greater with our own lives, if we invite people to come and see and see what God is doing and then they become Christians, then they in turn give God more glory and it makes him greater. It's more people to worship him. Salvation benefits God the most. And so why wouldn't we want to do something that benefits God? And secondly, which is to me a very far second behind it, is that the truth is people have better lives when they're Christians. So why, why would you not want to experience it? I, I, I've, I've yet to meet a person that got saved and became a Christian and said, you know, I really loathe the day I became a Christian. It ruined my life. 
I have, my marriage is good now and I, I don't do drugs and alcohol anymore and I, I, I don't live that way and I don't go to jail anymore. I, I like that life better. I don't know about you, man. Heaven sounds better than hell any day of the week. The God life is the best life. I love living the God life. Now, here's another reason why we want to be evangelizers. It's it's a mandate of scripture. It's a mandate I can get behind. We are mandated by God to be people that bring people to him. And an invite to church is the easy one. It's really easy. Most of you would say that like it's hard to do door-to-door evangelism or walk-up evangelism or drive-by witnessing. It's hard to do that kind of stuff. But an invite to church, man, it's a layup and like it's easy. And then they come here and then they, they get the message from the pulpit. That's just how it is. The Bible says in Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, do you believe that Jesus meant it when he said it? Yeah, of course he did. It was one of the last things he said before he ascended into heaven. And so some would say that that's probably really important. If it was the last thing that he was leaving people with before he ascended into heaven, it was probably a, a, a pretty big charge. And so we should take that thing to heart. Amen. These words were spoken by Jesus for us to go and convert and teach You've been converted. Your job is to go and convert other people. Our, our, your salvation was never intended for yourselves. It was intended for God and his benefit and other people. And, and we should be about our father's business. That's what we should be about. And I get it. Life is hard. Just my wife and Galia. The rest of you, you guys have perfect lives, right? I say life is hard and you guys are like, I feel so bad for that pastor with this hard life. If you're, if you're engaging in this thing, it's hard, dude, putting food on the table and kids and business and finances and health and taking care of stuff. And like, it's just a job to be alive. Like it really is. It's just a chore to get through the week. So then some pastor gets up and goes, Hey, let's add evangelizing onto your plate. And you're just like, bro, I'm full here. You want to give me something else to do? It's a consuming life. And it's easy to get sucked into it that we forget that as Christians, our life is not our own. We are blessed to be a blessing. We're saved to save others. We're dead to help other people's live. <laughs> And so it takes a lot of mind energy, man. It's hard to stay focused and, and remember to evangelize. Here, here's what I believe is I believe that some people, probably not you, have been so overwhelmingly consumed with the things of this pandemic that you forgot to evangelize about Jesus because you're trying to get people to be convinced on your side of any sort of argument. You're watching videos and sharing articles and memes and all this other stuff. And you forgot that like God doesn't want you to convert you to vaccinated, non-vaccinated, mask, no mask, blah, 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 blah. He wants you to convert people to Jesus. What if you had that kind of energy? Man, y'all studied more about mRNA than you did about the Jesus. Oh, y'all didn't even know what theirs was two years ago. Now you're an expert. 
Some of y'all don't, don't Google it, but you know what I'm saying. And I'll be honest with you, man. Can I be honest? Because I've been lying up to this point. Now I'm going to be honest. Do you, do you know why I don't evangelize? It's because it's painful. It's painful to get rejected. Like it just feels stupid. You know, it's like, hey, man, would you like to go to church? It's like, no. Okay. It hurts your stomach and you feel embarrassed. And it just kind of changes the relationship. You know, it's, it's, it's just kind of weird, man. And I don't need that embarrassment in my life. I just don't. But as I look around this room and I see people that I have invited to church, I'm like, you know what? It was worth it. It's worth to be embarrassed. It's worth to feel that pain. It's, to me, I always feel like it's dating in high school. You know, it's like you just ask enough. Eventually someone will go to the dance with you. You know what I mean? Just have to be relentless, man. Never have a lonely Friday night if you just keep asking. Some of y'all are going to get that later. Acts 13, 47, for the Lord has commanded us. He says, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Friend, we are that light. We are that varsity team. It's what we're supposed to be doing. God does not have a marketing team that's out there bringing people to church. The marketing team is you. You're the one. You're the one that, that God has asked to be able to do this. Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how, how can they hear without a preacher? Uh, I was talking to my, my son, God bless him. I always like to use him as an example. He's not in, is he, is he still here? Oh, he's gone, perfect. Yeah. God bless him, ma'am. Last week he had to go to, the, go to the dentist and the lady was asking him and she said, uh, so what are you doing tonight? Gabe's like, well, I, I got worship practice. And she goes, what's worship practice? And he goes, oh, it's what we do at church. It's so we worship God. And she's like, that sounds interesting. Gabe's like, hold on. He runs out to his car, grabs an invite card. He's like, you should come to church. How, how does that, how does somebody hear unless they have a preacher, right? Most people misunderstand what this whole thing is, what church is. You, you, uh, I won't say, but I'm, I, there's a, a famous sports star in Seattle and I did the marriage of his sister and uh, um, <laughs> it's really funny and this guy anyway and, I, and I, I was talking to her about her salvation experience and she didn't get saved until she was in her 40s and um, and, and I remember I was talking to her about it. I said what, what took you so long like why, why did it take you so long to become a Christian and she said I always watched Christians and thought I don't have what it takes to be a Christian and I was like, isn't that kind of the point? And she was like, yes, yes. I didn't understand that until I got saved. But that was just always my idea that I can't be like those people are. Someone invited you. Someone brought you. Someone shared with you. Someone cared about you. I don't know what your salvation experience was. I was at a summer camp. This guy named Dave Vogie preached the gospel, man. And I got saved. He was obedient to what God had asked him to do. And I got saved because of it. Now, now some of you got saved different ways, but most of us got saved because of somebody's influence in our lives. Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, every creature. And that doesn't matter what season that we're in. It doesn't matter. Like you could be going through the worst part of your life and God doesn't say, well, you can take a break from evangelizing. 
He doesn't. You're dead to yourself, man. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter. Like God is still God. Hope is still hope. Jesus is still on the throne. And you have to have a mindset to say like, man, I want to see people come to Jesus. I want to see people come to Jesus. Acts 20, 24, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of, of the grace of God. And I don't know about you, man, but I've experienced that grace. Amen. And I want people to know that grace. I really do. I want, I love the fact that I'm forgiven from all of my sins. Are you? Yeah. I'm so glad those things are not held against me. And there's people out there that are living in bondage that need to be set free. And and how are they going to know unless you share it with them? Uh, have, have you guys ever heard of, heard me talk about this restaurant called Harold's? <sighs> man, if someone asked me and they said, man, if you were gonna, if you said to me today, you're going to die tomorrow, where do you want to eat? You and I would go Harold's New York Deli. I know this for a fact. It's in New Jersey. I've been there twice. We went to go visit the Birches a couple of weeks ago. They picked us up in the airport and they said, where do you guys want to go? And, and me, because I'm who I'm, I'm like, eh, it's whatever. He's like, you want to go to Harold's, don't you? I'm like, yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, I feel the Holy Ghost. Yes. And we went straight from the airport to Harold's. They've got they've got pastrami sandwiches. This is not hyperbole. This high. I posted it on Facebook. They got chocolate cake slices that are this high. They've got salads that are this big. They got shakes that you can literally get inside and drink. Like that's hyperbole. I mean, it's amazing, amazing food. And it's good. It's so good. Chocolate cake, glory to God. <laughs> and if, if, if I took you to New Jersey and we got there and I was like, hey, would you like to get something to eat? And you're like, yeah. And I took you to McDonald's for the value menu. I was like, here, here's some McDonald's. You, you'd probably no longer be hungry. But then later on, you would see pictures of me at Harold's like, whoa, pastrami life. And you'd be like, why didn't you take me there? Why didn't you take me to Harold's? I'm like, well, you know, I just assumed that like you're okay with McDonald's and I, it's just a special place. And I was afraid they were going to run out of pastrami and chocolate cake. And I just want it for myself, man. Why does everything good have to be shared with everyone? I'll just let you, you know, get your order wrong at McDonald's. It would be rude of me to not share it with you. You do this in your own life. Like you'll be in social situations where you don't even know the person or what's going on. And then they'll be talking to somebody like, oh, I think I'm going to take Highway 167 today. And you're like, no, 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 no. You do not want to do that. Not this time of day. Right? You've done this. Some of your standards like, oh, we're going to go out to Mexican food. We can go to this place. Like, no, do not go there. Don't you guys do this? Yes. Yes. And then you find somebody that's, you know, broken and in need of a savior. And you're just like, you care more about people sitting in traffic than you care about people going to hell. Care about someone having to have a bad chips and salsa experience more than you care whether or not they get to spend eternity with Jesus. You got the courage. You just got to redirect the courage to the right place. So let me explain to you how to invite somebody, okay? Now, I understand, and let's just establish, I am not the same as most people. 
right? Like I'm, I'm the guy, like I was at Harold's Deli, right? We went out to the thing there. We're, li- we're literally sitting there. I'm drowning in pastrami and, and eating or whatever. And this lady over there ordered something. And I said, hey, what are those? And she goes, they're called blintzes. And I said, you know, I've never had a blintz before. <laughs> Her name was Sandy. And she said, would you like one of my blintzes? I said, that would be fantastic. We were at a beach one time and Sandy, we did give Sandy some cake afterwards, but I got a, I got a blintz from some random lady. We were at a beach one time in San Diego. We're Moonlight Beach in Encinitas, California. We're laying on the beach, shirt off. It's hot. We're like, oh, beach. The people next to us ordered pizza. I said to my wife, I said, man, I'm about to get a piece of that pizza. (laughs) She just shakes her head. She's been with me too long. Dude, it went from pizza order to me having pizza, hanging out on beach, like, hey, we're eating pizza, we're buddies. (laughs) That's just who I am. That's how I roll. But for you normies, I'll explain it to you, okay? (laughs) Let me help you out, okay? If you ain't got it like I got it, it's fine, but I... I don't want you to leave here ill-prepared. If you're going to invite someone to church, you pray and prepare your heart and theirs before you go there. You say, God, give me the strength. God, give me the strength to be able to do this. Now, this can happen with someone that you know or when you're going somewhere, right? So if there's a, a person that you know, or a family member, or a coworker, or a neighbor, whatever, they could be someone of that. But you can also pray and prepare before you go somewhere. You go out to dinner, you go to a, a school event. I'd say you guys that have uh, children, it's so easy to invite people. When the kids are playing, and you're out or whatever, um, you, you, it's, it's an easy invite to get people to come to church. And so you pray, you say, God, give me a divine appointment, Lord. Give me a place that I can ask someone to come to church. The Bible says, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so if you pray and you say, Lord, I care about you and I care about your kingdom and I just don't have the courage. It embarrasses me and I don't have the strength. I, I can't even ask people what time it is, let alone invite them to church. Pray that God will give you the strength. If you feel like, man, I don't hear God speak to me and I don't see God move, start praying in evangelistic endeavors and you'll hear the God's clear, clear voice. Pray for that neighbor or coworker you're going to invite to church on the 31st and then do it. Just do it. The Bible says in Luke 18, one, that he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And you, the, the next step after you've prayed and prepared is you just got to ask. And I know if you're like easy for you to say, and, and, and sometimes, yes, sometimes it is, but you just got to ask. You know, I don't know what happened in my life, but somehow I got on the list for a political donations. I mean, it's worse than the car warranty people. And, and, and when I'm driving around, if anybody does that for a job, I apologize. Someone comes to me and says, I do that for a living. I get a new job. And so um, I, when I'm driving in the car, if I'm bored, I don't care. I'll talk to scammers from India. It doesn't bother me at all. I'm like, yeah, who's this? And so I answer the phone and this guy's like, uh, hello, Mr. Matt, this is so-and-so. And I'm calling from the state of Michigan or Indiana or something. It's like, we've got a very important race and we're calling today. To, can we count on you for a donation today of $75? And I'm like, 
you know what, man? No, no, you cannot. Under no circumstances am I going to give you 75 of my dollars for this political candidate. I understand. And I understand times are hard for everybody. And you know, what we're looking for is we're just looking for a push. Would you, would you be willing to do $50? I said, listen, dude, you're doing an amazing job, but I ain't giving you 50 bucks either. I'm just not going to do it. And then he's like, you know, Matt, the times are this, and this is what's going on, and we need to come together, you know, and I know it's hard, and everybody's hard, but if you could at least do 35. And I, I started to smile, and I, and I forget his name, whatever. And I said, you know what, man? I got to tell you. I said, you're doing a great job on this ask. I mean, you're relentless, bro. You're not letting up. He goes, well, it's not the time for letting up. I mean, could you do $20? <laughs> then, this, this, I, he got all the way down to 10. And I literally said, brother, I've got to tell you, I have never heard anybody be as relentless as you in asking for a political donation. And I am so proud of you. And he said, so are you going to give me 10 bucks? And I said, no, but I'm very proud of your asking. I said, don't give up and you're going to find somebody that's going to give you that money. You have a great day. And you think like this guy's asking for a political donation and we're just asking people like, hey, man, you think he may go to church with me on Sunday? <laughs> right? You don't have to be that relentless, but you got to ask. Yeah, right. let, me, let me give you some free layups. Here's one. Would you like to come to church with me on Sunday? We're friends. And I'd like you to come and see why I, why I am the way that I am. Well, well another good one is, and, 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 I, and I actually use this one, because it, it's hard, dude. It's really hard. I have a neighbor across the street from me. And uh, we moved in in November. He moved in in December. And me and him became fast friends. He's a great guy. And so I was like, well, I'm going to preach about inviting people to church. I better invite this guy that I've been meeting to invite for the last eight months. But I haven't had the courage to do it because it's worlds colliding. There's cul-de-sac Matt and there's church Matt. And I'm not sure if church Matt and cul-de-sac Matt want to have a relationship. <laughs> right? Amen. And so I'm there and I'm just kind of like, just kind of kicking the rocks. It's, so it's, you know, it's like dating. You know, it's like, so if you're not doing anything on Sunday... <laughs> It's like, huh? And I was like, you know, it's, they're doing this thing at church. It's not my idea, right? I'm selling it like it was your guy's idea. <laughs> like, you know, they, they're doing this thing at church. We're just having an invite Sunday, and you probably don't want to go. But, I mean, we're, we're, they just at, they. <laughs> they just, we're all just trying to invite one person for that service. And uh, I just wanted to invite you. You know, it's you and your wife, you guys want to come. And, and I was, I was like, you know, you probably wonder when I wave to you every Sunday and we're driving away what we're doing. Just come down once and see what I do, man. I'd love to have you. He goes, I'll talk to the wife. I'll let you know. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so I can stand here today and said, I did my one invite. <laughs> right? Might do some more. But I, I don't, I, I just share that with you. It's a literal story. This happened yesterday. I had to have some ammo for you guys today. <laughs> but I, I don't want to tell you that I'm like, man, I just walk around with tracks and I'm like, thus saith the Lord God Almighty. <laughs> like, it's not, dude. It's just not that way. Like, it takes a little bit of courage. 
Now, let me share with you a story, and this is gonna this is gonna help you get through this a little bit. It's in Acts chapter eight, and and many of you guys know this story because you have the Bible memorized. But let's read it for that new guy that doesn't. So in Acts chapter eight, there's this guy Philip, and he's going along the road. And it says this. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and he went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before his shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth and his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you of whom does the prophet say of this, of himself or of some other man? And then Philip opened up his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down on the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, when they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. So the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was founded, was founded as Zotus. And passing through, he preached to all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Let me, let me just quickly walk through some of the parts of this story so you can understand. Because there's, there's a few things that you can grab from this story. The first one is, is you've got to be listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, okay? Because it says, now, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, if he wasn't listening to God, if he wasn't walking with God and saying, God, what are you asking of me in this season? He wouldn't know what God is asking him to do. And it says, arise and go towards the south along the, along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he hears the spirit of the Lord, an angel of the Lord tells him what to do. And then he goes and he does it. He says, go down to Jerusalem. So what does he do? He goes down and does it. So he's obedient. He hears and he takes action. And then it says that he says, go down to the chariot and speak to this guy. He said, overtake the chariot. God told him to do it. He was obedient and he went and overtook the chariot. And so if you're going to ask someone, you're going to invite somebody, you've got to be listening and saying, Lord, who is it? Where do you want me to go? What is it? That... And then when the spirit and uh, the spirit of God will clearly speak to you, I know that he will. Yeah. Then you just have to be obedient to it. Amen. You just have to be obedient to it. You have to say, all right, God, this is what you're telling me to do. I'm going to do it. And here's the next part of it. You've got to look for a window. What do I mean by that? Uh, uh, people are, are are very open, actually, of where they're at and what they're going through and where they're at in their lives. If you're so self-centered that you're not paying attention, though, you'll miss that window into somebody's life. And so it, it says here in verse 30, it says, So Philip ran him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he used that as a window. And so what does he say? Do you understand what you're reading and so uh, you've had this experience as well where you're, you're at a checkout line or, or you're buying some, something at a counter, you're talking to somebody and you're just, there's a lull and you're just like, so how are you doing today? And those people be like, Bleh. oh, my life is horrible. And this is it. And my mom's got cancer and my dog died and, and all these other things that happen in their lives. And you're just like, Meh. 
That's a window. You've got the hope. You, you've got the Jesus. You've got the means to be able to share with them. And so when they, when they have those things and then you're able to just use that window as an opportunity, they're like, oh, I've been really having problems with my kids. Yeah, you know, I had problems with my kids too. And then, man, I, I don't know what happened. I, I, I just started doing what the Bible said about uh, disciplining my children and, and it's worked. And they're just like, what? It's real, isn't it? Oh, my marriage is in a horrible place. Yeah, my marriage was horrible too. And then, I don't know, man, I came to Jesus and started living by his word. And man, it changed our marriage. Is that not honest? Is that not true? You look for those windows to be able to share. And then uh, here's the next part of it. You open up your mouth and share your story. Acts 35, then Philip opened his mouth at the beginning with this scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Evangelism starts with your mouth. And, and and I get it, man. Some people are more introverted than I am. I'm slightly extroverted, but but there's the, the Bible doesn't say that you know only the loud people do it. It doesn't say that. You introverts in a small way, in some ways, can actually be more powerful because people expect me to sell them something. Like, what is this guy selling me? You know. But you, you're just kind of quiet and meek and nice, and so they probably. You know, probably want to hear what you have to say more than me. I mean, do you have a testimony? Do you have what Jesus has done for you? Do you have a story of how he changed you? And your story matters. I mean, and my, my testimony is not lights, bangs. I mean, it's not drugs and alcohol and gangs and prison time. It's like, oh, I was a chubby 15-year-old and I heard about Jesus at a summer camp and God kept me. It's, it's not an amazing testimony, but it's my testimony and it, it's real. And God has sustained me throughout my, my life. And so that preaches to some people. But you've got to have your testimony. You've got to open your mouth. You've got to share your story. And then you follow through. You follow through. It says, and then he baptized him. And there, so he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and he baptized him. When, when you, you pray, you prepare, you look for a window, you ask, and then you just follow through. You're like, so would you like to come to church with me? And, and many people are going to say no. But as I, as I look around this room here and, I, and all of you that raised your hands, how many of you are glad that somebody invited you? That look for that opportunity. Uh, and, and I don't like to call people out because I don't, I don't like to use people's sermon examples unless I ask for them. But there's literally somebody that's sitting in this church today. I used the example in first service, and then I asked the gentleman. He's, a, he's an HVAC guy, Cody. And he was on a sales call to sell somebody something. And uh, he was there and said, hey, want to come to my church? They came. They've been coming now for like over a month. Yeah. They're here this morning because of that invite. It works. And, and, and if you've met Cody, he's not wish bang, slicky slick. You know what I mean? Here's a church. You should come. But it works. But you have to have follow through. Invite him to church and say, hey, I want to take you out to lunch after. If you have any questions about what happens, you can talk to me. If you want to know anything, you can come talk to me. I, I may not know all the answers, but I'll figure it out. Have follow through, follow through afterwards and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to walk with you. Because here, and this is the big issue and it's my issue. So I assume that it's your issue as well. Is that once you bring people into this world, there has to be congruency. Yeah. Yeah. Does anybody else have that struggle sometimes? Yeah. Man, I don't want to go to, I have to see these jokers at work all week. And then I got to see them at church too. 
There's literally people that attend this church together that are boss and and uh, at this and that they do it. They make it work. Because if you're saved, it can work. Amen. It takes boldness, but in the end, it's worth it. You've got to expect that God will do great things in their life. And God did do great things in this eunuch's life. And, and it says in verse 39, it says, And he went on his way rejoicing. And so you just don't stop. It says in verse 40 that Philip went off and continued to preach the gospel. This idea for us of being inviters and bringers to the gospel, it never ends. It just doesn't. That's part of our DNA. It's part of who we are. And so here, here's the last part of it is that we've got to make a commitment. We've got to make a commitment. You, we've got to make a commitment to be inviters. And it, and it shouldn't just be that we do it once a year, but it's a good start. It's a good start. And, and, and I will tell you that for myself, like, I always... God will tell me something in my in my head, not in my notes. I'm like, do I want to share this? It's kind of vulnerable. All right, I'll do it. Um, the truth is, is that like, you know, when we started this church 18 years ago, I was a relentless inviter. I was because we didn't have anybody, man. Like you got to like work at it. Oh man. I mean, it's like how Sylvia and James ended up here, you know? Like everywhere I went, I was like, invite, invite, invite. And it's funny, I go visit Pastor Christian and he's the same way because his church is small and growing. And he's like uncomfortably bold about it. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, all the time, everywhere. And, and I tell you, sometimes God will just knot my heart and be like, man, are you just kind of coasting, man? Oh, you know? Used to be, I mean, bro, I used to stand out on the corner of, of Kent Kangley and Benson handing out sodas on Friday nights trying to get people to come to church, man. Now I'm just like, eh, it's wrong, dude. It's just wrong. It's like God still cares about those people. He still wants to grow his church. We should all be inviters. An interesting statistic I heard this week is that a growing church grows 10% every year. And that's a pretty high bar, right? And what you think about it, if we're a church to three to 400 people, let's call it 350, 400, whatever. That means we should be adding 35 to 40 people a year of new salvations. Now that's 10%. That means that for you as an individual, you just have to lead someone to Christ once every 10 years, which doesn't seem like that. You think over 10 years, you could lead some person to Christ, couldn't you? You'd reach that. And you, some of you are like, pastor, great. So I've got 10 years to invite somebody to church on Tuesday. <laughs> No, that's not how it works, okay? We're going to kill the number. That's what we're going to do. Now, now I'm going to, I'm going to sting a little bit this morning, but, and, and some of you can answer this to the affirmative, but it should, it should sting a little bit. How many people can you count in your life that you know are specifically going to heaven because of your endeavors? You can say, I brought them to church and they got saved. I led them to Christ. And, and, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to make you think that it's, it's like, but that's our job. Yeah. Like that's who we are. Like we're supposed to be inviters. We're supposed to be bringers. And, and so it's not a prideful thing, but you should just have a sense of like, you know what, Lord? I, don't, I mean, I, I couldn't bring them all, but I brought one. Yeah. You know, and, and you don't even know what that one person does or where they're going to go from there and how it goes out exponentially and everything else. But we should all be able to have at least one person why not? Is it lack of effort, lack of compassion? Is it lack of belief? Do you not believe this? Are you scared? 
Is the Bible true? Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, first for the Jew and also for the Greek. And I get it. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I'm ashamed. I just know that as a human, I get scared and I get embarrassed because I'm just, I, 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 I honestly, I care too much what people think about me. I really do. And I, and I wish I wasn't that way. And I can be bold on Facebook and sometimes in the pulpit and blah, blah. But like sometimes like I really care too much what people think about me, specifically when it comes to inviting people to church or sharing about Jesus. And so I just don't do it. I just hide from it and I pretend that I don't have that responsibility. It just gnaws at me. Am I alone? Okay, good. We just have to make a commitment. We have to make a commitment that we're going to be inviters. Check out people, service people, coworkers, neighbors, friends, family. Just invite them all. And it doesn't have to be like, you vile sinner. This is like, hey man, you want to come to church? Now here's my commitment to you, okay? I'm going to be on my best behavior on the 31st, okay? I, here's the commitment. I won't embarrass you. You don't embarrass me, okay? Can you guys keep it together for 90 minutes on one Sunday? Act nice and normal. You guys can do that for me, huh? Put on some pit stick, brush your teeth, okay? The other part of it is we have to commit to have an answer. We've got to live this life for realsies. We, we, we can't just like halfway it. The Bible says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. And so you got to be in on this thing because problem is like, well, what if I invite him and want to know Jesus and I don't know the answer? Listen, I tell you before, your job is not a judge. Your job is not a jury. Your job is to be a witness. And a witness just tells what they know. People are like, how come you don't know all the answers? I'm like, I don't know, man. I gave my life to Jesus. My life is better. I'm learning as I go. That's all I know right now. I know as a sinner, I needed a savior. I know I went up to the front and Jesus did something in my life and I'm halfway through the book of John. Like I'm just, that's where I'm at. Some people don't have an answer. Some people don't know how to lead someone to Christ. I preach it at the end of every single sermon that we do here so you would know. Sinner, savior, lost, found. Towards sin, turning towards God. It's very simple. But you got to know your word a little bit. You got to know that Jesus saved you because we have what the world needs. Can you, can you think of a more emotionally desperate time than what we're living in right now? Now I know that some of the more seasoned saints would say like, well, the sixties were bad. You should have seen the sixties. I didn't live through the sixties. I know I'm a Gen Xer. And in my life, this is the, the worst situation that I've ever seen. It's pretty bad, right? I mean, there's lawlessness and there's you know, government overreach and there's hopelessness and there's, you know, food running out and toilet paper running out. And, and, and the, the reality is that people are scared. They're really scared. And, and, and I hope you're not because I know that I'm not, I'm not scared for a host of reasons. One is, is I don't know the God that I serve. I know that he loves me and I know that he's taking care of me. And the second part of it is, is that I know that I got y'all. I really, and I don't, I don't say that as like, as like, like, I really mean it. Like when me and Crystal are home alone and I'm like, do you want, man, I am so, I'm so glad that I have the church because I I know that Crystal and I are your pastors, but this is my church, man. You guys are my family. I know that God has blessed me to be your pastor, but like we're in this together. And I know no matter what happens out there, I got this man. I know I'm not going to be living on the street. I know I'm not going to be hungry. I know that my family's going to take care of me. I know because we're in this together. 
And so those people out there that have nothing, they have no hope, they have nothing to connect to, they're not part of the the body, we have what they need. Romans 15, 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I do have that hope. And for some people it may not be believable, but maybe that's because they haven't experienced the faithfulness of God like I have. Here's what you do. You fully trust God in every area. You fully submit to him and watch what he does. And when you invite, and here's the truth. When you invite someone, they can see the conviction on you. They know when it's real. They know if you're just like, yeah, my church, they said I have to do this versus like, hey man, I want you to come. And, and frankly, maybe you don't invite because you live a double life. Maybe you're just like, dude, I know these people, they see me as something else. And maybe now's the time to have congruency in your life. The God life's the best life. Live the Jesus Christ life. Amen. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Stop living like the world lives and doing what the world does. Be committed to be an inviter. Overcome your excuses of why you don't invite people. And believe that God can bring people into his kingdom. Will you commit this morning to invite one person to October 31st? Half of you. Come on now. I'm not looking at you. I'm giving you the out. It's just an invite, man. I guarantee if you die, I will say at your funeral that you died inviting somebody to church. Okay. I I will pay for the refreshments at your funeral if you die inviting somebody to church. Can I leave you guys with one last story? So I I, I love hearing people's salvation story. It's kind of like when you meet a couple and you say, hey, how are you married? And I like to hear like, how people got saved. I met a guy one time that got saved watching the power team. You guys remember the power team? Dude got saved in the middle of the night watching power team at night, man. I met a, I met a gal one time that got saved. She was at a truck stop and the guy handed her a track and she read the track, felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, gave her life to Christ and went home and told her husband that she was a Christian. Like God moves. And, and, and one of the, one of my favorite stories, I was talking to this guy one time and asking him how he got saved. And he said he was, he was a dishwasher at a restaurant and there was a server there that relentlessly invited him to church all the time. Uh, And, and so he, he said that one time is, uh, this guy invited him to go to a concert, Carmen, who remembers Carmen? Who's in the house? Jay Susan. Yeah. Jesus is the champion. Oh man, that's some good years, the 80s. Gotta go back to it. Anyway, they don't know. So the, the dishwasher said, I, I decided I was going to go to this concert with this guy just to shut him up. I was like, I'm just going to go with him because he just, then I could say, I went and you leave me alone. He go, and I said, so what happened, man? He goes, dude, I'm sitting there, I'm going to the concert, I'm just closed off. And he goes, I don't know what happened, man. He said, but Carmen made that call to come to the altar at the end of it. He goes, I just stood up and started walking down to the front, man. He goes, he goes, it changed my life. He goes, I'm sure it blew that server's mind. He goes, I never in my life would have thought that I would be the guy that walked forward, but man, it happened. 
all because this guy would not leave me alone. And so I share that story with you as an encouragement, man, because it's worth it. It's worth it, man. Someone did it for you. Do it for someone else. Amen. 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 Why don't you close your eyes, bow your heads. Hey, before we get out of here, I want to ask you a question this morning as I ask every Sunday. If you're not a Christian and you would like to become one, today is the day of salvation. If you've never made a decision before, if you've never said, I want to be a Christian, I'm going to live for him, you've never made that decision, and you'd like to make that decision for the very first time, we'd like to pray with you. If you'd like to come to Jesus today for the first time, you raise your hand and say, that's me, and we'd like to pray with you. Is there anybody that would like to make that commitment for the first time? Now for the rest of us, without your pastor having to guilt you into it and just say, you know what, Lord, your word is true and I will do it. Thank you for the reminder. I'll invite someone, one person in the next two weeks. And I pray right now that God's given you that person. Father, help us to be inviters, God, not just this one time. Just let us live that life. Lord, you've done so much for us. We apologize for those times when we've just been disobedient and embarrassed and busy and didn't care enough about you or people to just share a simple invite to church or just tell people that you love them. Father, we pray that things will be different after today, that we remember that you've called us to this work. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.